This episode is brought to you by the official coffee of the Chromecast podcast, Fresh Roasted Coffee, who we've partnered with to make a special edition Chrome Unboxed anniversary blend. Here at Chrome Unboxed, we're not just nerdy about Chromebooks, we're also coffee snobs. And look, we wasted a lot of time hand roasting coffee before we found Fresh Roasted Coffee, and we haven't looked back since. This coffee is roasted fresh to order, immediately packaged, nitrogen flushed and shipped directly to your door. And although we can't officially say that this Chrome Unbox Edition tastes any better than the normal anniversary blend, that is the word around town. But don't just take our word for it. Pick up a bag for yourself and let us know what you think. You can grab a bag over at chromeunbox.com forward slash coffee. Welcome to the Chromecast the official podcast from Chrome Unbox, where we unpack everything from hardware to software in the world of Chrome and Chrome OS so that you can be more informed on all the latest updates, changes, and devices. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Chromecast. My name is Joe Humphrey, and I am joined today by Robbie Payne, See, he hesitated. I didn't know he which was, one like, to say. I, 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 he looked. I he was trying to look off. Well. He's been watching I'm, football, and he's trying to like look me off, yeah. like a little Mahomes action. I'm thinking <laughs> about. I'm still thinking about what we were talking about right before we started recording. No, you're and trying to I'm, mess with me. I am whatever. Whatever. Hey, it's hey. Robbie. Hey, everyone. <laughs> and Gabriel Breggers. Good morning. Uh, we are in the process of trying to get the studio set up to do a video uh, portion, basically of the not a portion. It's addition. A yeah. video edition of the podcast, and it's just a lot of little stuff that you got to do to make that work right. I mean, obviously, we could probably do it with just what we have sitting here right now, but we yeah. like to do things right. It's like if yeah. we're gonna get, if we're gonna do it, let's do it. Let's get everything we need. Let's get it set up the way it should be set up. At least get us in the ballpark, close, yeah, right? Because that's kind of the the ultimate thing. Like, let's get as close as we can. Until we can fail a few times and then learn from Or that. at least like, figure it out. Like, you don't really right. know what you need to change until you just start rolling. So it's right. like, it's that like 90% solution or yeah. 80% solution. What Minim can we do minimally to Minimally viable product. Yeah, exactly. Let's get there at least. And then, because like, I want to launch it and it looks dope. And that way people keep watching it. Like, if we launch right. it and it looks trashy or doesn't look good, then people might not come back. Right. You know, it's like, so, Yeah. That's what I'm sitting here thinking about. We need a 3.5 extension. We need some battery adapters. <laughs> we got to get him in the game. I know. I know. Let's let's talk some Chromebook stuff. Right, I just found let's... a 50-inch television we could put on that wall. Right Perfect. There. Yeah, so we're gonna have a we're gonna have a a, a, a monitor up so that we can kind of all reference. reference. Uh, yeah. So a we were talking about and... doing like a 24, 20, just a just normal monitor up there, yeah, which man. would be fine. But 50. I, I, I just 50. remembered that I have a friend who's offloading a 19 inch and a 50 inch LG TV, and I'm sure it would probably it's probably a little old. But if it's a 50 inch LG TV, we'll make it work. Should oh yeah, be pretty sharp. Yep. Yeah, we'll make it work. We'll make it work. Yeah, but yeah I mean, like, we can by have... offload, I mean, I think we might be able to get it for nothing. So. That's insane. I like that. Dope. Just have to I go love buy a that. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I think I have a mounting bracket floating around. I think everybody's else. got a few. It's weird. It's one of those things. <laughs> At know. one point, like the the employer we used to work for, like we had a bunch of those for some reason. Like, what was the deal with that? Well, his Deli goal is he, they wanted to get TVs in, in like every, every room. room for yeah. for the coworkers. They might they might have used them all now yeah probably they got a bunch of tvs over there now yeah for sure 
Yeah, but I mean, you can get those things cheap. They now. had the rolling because we don't too. we don't need it to <laughs> we don't need it to actuate at all. No. Really, it's just we no. just need a flat mount. Yep. Yeah, um, Chrome box on the back. Yeah, like we can. Yeah, Chrome Bluetooth bo- mouse, Bluetooth keyboard, Chrome box. That way we can kind of reference things. We can talk about stuff because, like, right now. You know, the guys have their, their Chromebooks in, in front of them. They can reference things. And now we'll be able to kind of have that up there. And it's like, hey, what was that thing? Oh, cool. Slide the mouse over. Boom. Now, ready see, to what go. we're going to do is we're going to use Logitech. Logitech's. And we're going to all have, <laughs> we're going to have multiple mice paired. No, let to me the do it. So we're, we're tune fighting in and watch over. the mouse battle every week. <laughs> no, Mike. No, I want to stop. I want to look I, it up. I, uh, uh, yeah. So. It's going to be fun. And then, yeah. like, we'll be able to have, like, if we end up getting, you know, like a title sponsor or somebody for, for that, we can throw that stuff up there. We can throw up reference images or websites. It's, I don't know. It's just going to be fun. So, yeah, stay tuned for that. But let's talk about some Chromebook news. And this week there was a, I guess it is, uh, what, what, I always forget the full name of this thing. Help me out, Gabe. Because they don't call it that anymore. Right. It's, oh, yeah. They it just is officially it. bet. It's uh, what did it used to it? British British Education, Education and Technology. Technology. I don't remember what the other T ever was. Yeah, I don't remember. Trade show. I'm looking up. <laughs> Trade show. <All laughs> I over. don't know. Trade show. Yeah. But, yeah, but it's, it's, it goes by BetFest now? That's just for just this, this year. year. They're calling it BetFest because it's virtual. So, like, if you go to their website right now, it says BETT will officially return, blah, 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 2022. Mm-hmm. That's kind of cool. This like, year, we're doing BetFest. BetFest. <laughs> I wonder if, like, M- I wonder if MWC is going to do something like that. I wonder what they're doing this year. Surely, I mean, there's no way they're having a thing. So, I wonder I if they're going to go all virtual. Like, I, honestly, I think CES did a really good job with it this year. I mean... There were obviously big pieces missing to the equation, but yeah. overall, I thought like news got out, new stuff got launched. Oh, That's kind of the point. Yeah. You know? Hey, one thing. So, British Educational Training and Technology training. Show. So, training. so this is similar to ISTE, but ISTE is focused not solely, but mostly on technology in the classroom and how to leverage it. Uh, this encompasses more stuff outside of just that. There's a uh, lot. Of, okay. There's a lot of talks about just the classroom environment and Google Classroom and Microsoft and all that stuff. But it always seems to birth some new Chromebooks. This yeah. is where they they usually debut 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 the debut misebu debut the latest generation of educational Chromebooks, which is also where Intel. It's usually the first sightings we see of whatever the latest Atom processor is. Yeah, so those small core things usually yeah. show up at this. But so. I mean, think about some of the devices that showed up, like one of our first. Chromebook tablets, the Acer Tab 10 mm-hmm. made a, remember it was like a, an accidental sighting. I think it was in the booth and somebody, yep, somebody saw it. Somebody had it in the booth and sent us a picture and it wasn't we supposed to be there. We put that in this booth. Uh, Jimmy, well, why'd you put that, that Chrome was, tablet out there? There was one other device that was like pretty unique that showed up. What the heck was that? I can't, uh, I can't I remember. remember. There was something else though that like BETT, we were like, here we go again. BETT is showing yeah, up. Stadler's with some, uh, USI, not USI, not USI, Stadler's big stylus. Chunky crayon yeah, pencil. Their pencil shaped stylus that they obviously geared towards classrooms came out of BETT. Yeah. Uh, Neverwhere always has a big presence there because schools mm-hmm. are. That was a, Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. Neverwhere. So la- yeah, last together. year, Neverwhere and had, Google had a booth together where you could literally drop off your old. Windows Chrome <laughs> laptop, and yeah. they would turn it into a Chromebook for you. So. Yeah. So, uh, r- wow, total squirrel moment here. But somebody, uh, who was it? Maybe it was Kevin's article. He was talking about, is there a way that we could boot up Chrome OS on the new M1? 
stuff? Is there any way? Like oh, until like, Neverwhere. Yeah, does we'd have it. to have either that or what's that other thing that? Um, I mean, there there's some other ones that I wouldn't trust as far as I could throw what's them. The, what's uh, the project? So there's brunch. Brunch, so I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. But brunch uses Mr. Chromebox's script, which is designed for Intel. I don't believe brunch is ARM compatible, oh, and yeah. I don't think never. I don't think Neverwhere. Yeah, because like I remember, I I don't know. I'm, I doubt Neverwhere is ARM compatible because Neverwhere is designed for Windows and right. Apple devices. That generally, I have to double check that. Yeah. I've never seen uh, that running on an ARM device. But how name name an ARM powered Windows laptop the the newer surface ones yeah there's one is right no there's yeah. no surface no not what arm is, uh yeah. there's, oh, there's what just those handful yeah. of the nova go yeah there's yeah. a couple new ones coming out right, right now so they just oh, no, you're right sorry surface yeah but so there's two of them actually yeah, but surface there's Pro just X there's not a lot one. of arm and there's only three two three arm powered Apple devices, so they just they haven't developed that yet because cool it's a completely be, different though? architecture. Yeah, let's so. just let's so let's figure it out. I, I found one thing. Are you willing to let me brick the new Mac? Sure, we okay. yeah, yeah. can just reset just get it. another one. <laughs> we'll just get another. Wow. One. <laughs> All right. Um, we, we are totally joking, by the way. <laughs> We're um, not going to do that. But BETT last year was when Google started extending uh, auto update policy. Yeah, to oh, eight that's years. right. Yeah, right. Like, which just, that who does that matter to most? Schools. Yep, Absolutely. Yep, exactly. So yeah, I mean it's a big it's a big conference. It's, a big show. it's, it's not as consumer facing as something like CES, which as we started talking here, we didn't talk our best of CES last week, did we? Or did we? Cuz I, I didn't I we get know. all that done? Man, why how is it that I can't remember what we talked about 1 week ago? Because we ended up Brain's finishing full. up we ended up finishing up all of that on was that Thursday or Friday when we got all of our well, best. Last CES. week we talked the uh, Asus I don't think we, we did. Yeah, we talked the Asus because uh, maybe we thought we were done with CES until the middle of that week and then that's we talked right. about our, our meeting that we had and the Asus right, news right, dropping right. in the Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I think that's mainly we didn't talk about any of the other little random stuff on there. So I don't know, we can throw no, that we in did if we not, want to. Yeah, we did not talk but, about it. But yeah, so this is a different show, obviously. Like, you know, uh, BETT is is not like CES. It, no. it doesn't have the same presence, obviously. But it's still an important show, especially for us, you know, because there are Chromebooks that come out of it. And so a uh, couple of announcements this year. Uh, Gabe, I don't know if you have those pulled up or somebody. If we want to run through those. Yeah, so we, we had, and, and we did thankfully have this news ahead of time because the announcements happened like before sunrise the day of. So we were able to get, get, our hands on this news and and get prepared for it but acer and hp both launched new chromebooks a total of nine together i think um the the exciting stuff is that we did see the new intel jasper lake processors which are the new small core processors and they are rumored to be anywhere from 15 to 30 percent more powerful than what we've seen with the gemini lake r which are already impressive uh, but HP launched their line of devices. Uh, oh, the Acer. Acer had Jasper Lake. Then they do have a Chromebook that has the current MediaTek that's in the Lenovo Duet. But they also announced a Snapdragon 7C educational Chromebook. Was kind of su- kind of surprised by that. Um, but it kind of, I guess it makes sense. I mean, the battery life on it's going to be great, which right. is yeah. very important in schools. And it's going to be Android apps. It's pretty pretty cheap, isn't it? I think it starts at like two ninety nine or something. Uh, hold on. I don't have that pulled up. I got it pulled up. Let me scroll down. Sorry, I was looking to see what we talked about last week. <laughs> uh, Squirrel. 
see. We talked about all the Chromebooks yeah. from CES. Yeah, we just didn't run through our other random stuff. Yeah, we, we did have not on. do that. Yeah. We did not do that. So that, yeah, we'll that talk about that post. at the end of this. All right, section. it's yeah. going to start at three ninety nine. Which, if you know anything about educational devices, that's that's about standard fare because they have to build them to withstand a classroom. So it'd be nice if classroom devices were two hundred dollars, but they've got to be built tough. You know, and they right. they have to stand up for years. Cause yep. What's the point of having eight years of updates if the device breaks and you know two years? And kids are going to knock them off their desk, yeah, and drop ab- them, absolutely. sit their backpack down, and stand it's, on them. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's like they're all rated for that 130 pounds of downward force. Yeah, are they modular? There was something that that was modular. That um, was um, ASUS's PCs uh, that they debuted at CES. Their their education PCs. They showed them. Yeah, apart. yeah. So they had a video at BETT as well, and I really would love to see them doing this. Which Chromebooks, educational Chromebooks, are field serviceable, which means IT admins with the proper instructions can take them apart and replace batteries and stuff. But they're not what you really consider modular. Modular is no. you open up the chassis and you just pull parts out and snap them back in. These aren't designed quite like that. It'd be awesome if they are, because ASUS's new Windows EDU devices look just like a Chromebook. Yeah, I mean honestly. They're, indistinguishable yeah and they 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 are completely 100 percent module you take the chat you take the the housing off of the the thing and you can just pick the keyboard up and put a new one in it's it's really great for schools do you remember those phones that were like yes that? the modular phones and <laughs> that was the whole thing that never yeah, took off never. Nope. So, <laughs> seemed like such a good idea at the I, time it's like oh i want a different camera sensor Boop, yeah pop right? in the new one what was yeah. the one? Moto mods. Those are the ones. Moto you mod. Yeah. Moto Those tried were that. cool. LG did the little thing where you could snap the stuff. Cool on idea. The what was but there Google's, was that. What was Google's internal thing? That started with an A. Uh, Dude, I, don't I, I don't remember. Uh, I can't I, remember. I, I keep say it, but it was literally like you. You. Aria Project Aria. Is it Aria? Aria maybe. maybe. Uh, Sounds uh, right. But you could pop off, you know, oh, the, yeah. the battery sections and you just pop off the processor, pop off the camera. That sounds cool, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just, not not yeah. realistic. But yeah. and once they can get all that stuff like wirelessly working, so where it's like magnetic, you just whoosh, pop right. off the piece, oh, and chunk, man. chunk on the next one. That would be insane. And then put your case on the back of it and be done with Good it. Go. That would be dope. That'd but be cool. uh, I just don't. The, I don't know that the industry could stand that right now. Like it would. It would upheave so much, but at the same time, we're finally getting to the point where people are upgrading their phones far less frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe, maybe we'll in a few years we'll actually be ready for that type of technology. Yeah, because you think about when you upgrade your phone, you're usually upgrading it for that one or two specific things, and it's either the camera or the processor. So right. if the cameras can be modded and you can change those there's out a, there's a mod which you can just drop it of course like dropping in a whole new processor soc seems like a bit much <laughs> yeah. but if you think of the screen yeah. not as the main part of the phone that's just another piece that i'm just basically like when you buy the the, the component that has the soc it has basically your entire motherboard yeah. on it yeah I mean, it's why not know, everyone will have to buy in yeah and i just don't <laughs> yeah, see I don't that know. i think i think that's yeah people are, people are so so just used to going to the store and I'm leaving with a new phone yeah. and that's it. And it, and Not, it I'm going to get pieces. this thing that I have to take it home. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how easy it is. Cause that would, there was that one off brand or what, maybe it was good. It literally looked like a Lego phone the way you took yeah, that stuff was the off Google of, one. Yeah. That was, that was really cool. The concept's cool. I just don't think it's marketable now. Maybe, yeah. maybe 10 years from now. I don't maybe. know. Maybe. So, Sorry. Squirrel. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, HP, yeah, <laughs> HP dropped five new Chromebooks. They did not have a, um, 
a Snapdragon one, but they did do the new Jasper Lake and a couple of the MediaTek. So theirs are, it's really more like three Chromebooks. They have a 14-inch Chromebook that's designed for teachers. That's Jasper Lake, and it goes up to 8 gigs of RAM, and it, it looks good. It's a nice, clean, black Chromebook, 180-degree hinge. Then they have two two other Chromebooks, which are a clamshell and a convertible, and they have Jasper Lake, and then they have a MediaTek version of that same device. But the one unique one was the X360 11G4EE. Good grief. What a great model, Yeah, name. I mean, just keep just keep adding it on. It's just awesome. add on more numbers. Yeah, so. Yeah, how do we differentiate? More, more <laughs> numbers, <laughs> more letters, yeah, more letters numbers. letters and more numbers. So, uh, simple. Yeah, easy. So, no, nothing real real shocking about it. It's a it's a convertible. It's a, it's just, it's the G4, so it's the fourth iteration of the same device, but they came out with a cool new color. It's nautical teal. It looks good. The keyboard looks good. Uh, it has Jasper Lake. You can get 8 gigs of RAM. It's probably going to be a great device performance-wise. I hope they didn't go with a completely garbage screen. Yes, it's education. Yes, it's 11.6 inches, but if you turn it off to a 30 degree angle and the screen starts to turn white what's the point i mean it, it makes it <laughs> yeah. impossible i wouldn't i would not want to sit and work on one of those all day especially when you're gearing these devices towards collaboration and multiple students using them at the same time right if one kid's standing on this side and the other kid's standing over there one of them's not going to be able to see my, the screen my favorite is the fold flat displays that have tn panels on yeah. them Oh, the only person that can see it is some giant who stands all the way directly up top over, over top, top of it. it. Yeah. <laughs> so, the well cool thing, out. yeah, the cool thing about this device, and we've seen it with the Lenovo C13 Yoga already, but and Robbie had unco- uncovered this a while back. It has a rechargeable USI yeah. stylus, but instead of sliding into the chassis uh, like what we've seen already, it has a slot above the keyboard that the pin just snaps into, and it charges wirelessly. It and if looks, it's, it's it looks so cool. Looking. If it's anything like the Windows version, they they say that the you can get like it's like forty five minutes of use off of like a one minute charge on these. Yeah, things. I mean, yeah, so, I think it's a baby little battery. Anyway. Yeah, that doesn't so, need much because we have a couple of USI styluses around here, and the, the ones with batteries still work. They, oh, have, yeah. I haven't had to replace a battery, and the rechargeable ones. Like that HP one sat around here Dude, for months yeah. before we had to a recharge while. it. Yeah, you know, so but it runs out pretty readily, so it tells me it's got like when you start using it, yeah. like you have to recharge it pretty frequently. Uh, and the ones that have a physical, I think they all take quadruple A little battery in them. Never replaced any of those batteries yet, mm-hmm. and it's kind of similar to like the the Pixelbook pens, like. Those things lasted forever. Yeah, because they do. They have a sleep state. It's not like it's on all the right. time. It wakes up when you when you tap the button or you tap it on the screen. So just the design of this, it's perfect. The pin that you see it right there, you can see on the article, there's a nice nice shot of it. It just sits right in there. It's out of the way, but it's right there and readily available. You don't have to pick up the device or fumble with, because honestly, some of those ones that slide in and fit flush. You got to pick the whole thing up anyway. I'm, I'm, I'm horrible about chewing my fingernails and I, I have a hard time getting one of those out sometimes <laughs> yeah. this is perfect i imagine the way the slot is designed you could probably just push on grab, one in and it pops grab, right out yeah so. grab it on the corner but yeah. it just like the chromebook like, looks good it really does so are and, there and i wonder too like with the uh, with that particular charging i because we can't see it necessarily i'm is it using a, a wireless charging protocol yeah or is there some sort of like pogo down oh, yeah there? is there a, a pin on it or something because if it's using a wireless charging protocol like that's the stuff that we're looking forward to seeing, like Coach Z and this you yeah. know, new Snapdragon tablet. Like, 
It'd be a big deal. Do we have any um, other shots of that thing where it shows the actual panel? No. Because all yeah, it, it was the only shot. <laughs> it would just have to have a small uh, yeah. lead on the side of it to drop in there right. and charge. Hold. Like, it doesn't have to be that yeah. fancy. Hold moment. And it makes me think it wouldn't so, be, but that would be really cool. We, if it was oh, eight good. megapixel world-facing cameras, and they put it down here like where the Intel sticker yeah, would usually that. be, which is pretty cool because the only problem with that is I think you got you got grubby hands. I'm not knocking anybody's kids. My kids yeah. are grubby. Yeah, your palms You're going to be, be constantly probably cleaning that lens off, but it's right there. It's not over up above. Obviously, it's not above the keyboard deck because that's where yeah, the stylus so is, you, but... Flip the screen down, and it's right there. Yeah. So if you're holding your screen and you flip the keyboard back, it's your up camera's top, right which at is the nice because yeah. normally that nice top design. mounted world facing camera, you when you flip, you got to turn the thing yeah. over to make it make sense. Do we so, have other nice consumer uh, Chromebooks that have you, rechargeable USI? No. Well, is, the the C13. Yes, the C13 would be the first one. Yeah. Well, we're assuming that. I don't know that. The pin on it, and is it we're sc- not completely sure that is USI. Like the screen works with USI, but but the Pete, stowable stylus. Pete Mueller may not told be. us like there will be Chromebooks that come out that have multiple types. Oh so well, the, the C13 stylus, though does say USI on the listing. So, but the pin is the USI. Pin is USI or just the screen? Because the screen it, could be USI, but the pin is right. some other protocol. Yeah. So the pin could be an EMR pin that doesn't need batteries or anything, and it can do EMR and USI. Like he said. It's fine for it to have multiple types. It just yeah. has to have USI moving yeah. forward. So I was just wondering, like, is this the first? I mean, I know it's not quite exactly stowable, but it is. It's it is. stowed in the it's device. It's got a space to go. It as has, long as it somewhere has to go. Place. This says optional HP USI garaged pin sold separately or as a configurable huh. option. Interesting. So, I mean, that, that one has to be, for sure, as we're charging. I'm curious. But they don't have any shots. There's no shots of the pin by itself, so I don't. Right know if there's yeah. a pogo pin on it or not i mean it could be again it's an education chromebook so that could be a little less fancy and have there might be a port yeah a usb or something that's there or just a lead that it has to sit on to charge because uh, a lot of garage stylus like samsung's for instance like their uh galaxy note you know they're the last two i think note pins have batteries in them and they charge when they're in silo exactly. there's just a small lead on there when you slide it up in yeah. there touches the lead charges yeah it doesn't have to there's no sense in messing with wireless charging solutions when one's not warranted um, like yeah what's like what we're talking there? we've yeah. talked about this before but like with coach z the whole like apple pencil trick of it clicking onto the outside of the tablet that's where you need wireless charging where you don't want to deal with trying to Having, line up a lead yeah. and, and hook it up but, but if there's a spot where it goes right then you know it's going to line up so exactly yeah so this says lenovo usi pin Okay. So, Interesting. Uh, and that means it's got to be internally recharging then. Yes. So interesting. And it, and it garages in the in the keyboard in the front, base yeah. like we've seen. Uh, but and we like, knew. Like, so which one of these Zork, is going to come out first? We knew Zork. So which C13 is available. Oh, it is? Yeah. Okay. But it's also $1,500 yeah, we just, if you get we the Ryzen 7. We haven't had it. <laughs> We're we waiting for them in, to send yeah. us one. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's why I thought maybe it wasn't out yet because we hadn't got so, it. But yeah, they need to get us one because I'd love to see that. Yeah. But. It is cool that this, I mean, the, 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 um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the, the way that they've gone about doing this one, especially as an EDU where it's yeah. right there, boom, it's, it's grab unique, it. It's, you know? it's cool. It's I just, I like that. It made for a cool featured image, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah that image was, was yeah. really sharp. So, 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 yeah, I mean, nothing uh, crazy out of the ordinary, uh, from BTT aside from that pin thing, uh, you know, rugged Chromebooks that have decent specs but like the 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 coolest part to me i think about BETT this year was the fact that um instead of like most years it's always small core intel 
the newest Walk Oriental. So, like, it wasn't shocking that we saw Jasper Lake Chromebooks. Here. Right. We haven't gotten our hands on them. I'm super excited about Jasper Lake Chromebooks. Not so much for the educational section of it. I mean, I'm, I'm excited. I was already excited for the last year's model of Gemini Lake. You know, those N4000s and 4020s. Those those processors finally got to the point, we've talked about this before, where small core Intel processors weren't a burden. Right. Like, for normal, just general use, it you wasn't could, like, oh, You could God. hand this off to a kid or, or even an adult and, not, and say, like, yeah, this is going to be fine. <laughs> yeah, and, it's, and it's fine. It's yeah. it's good enough to get by on. Uh, and Jasper Lake's just going to take that to the next level because it's sure. 10 nanometers. It's got an updated GPU. It's They're just faster. They're better processors. And we'll still see the same type of savings on them. So as 2021 goes on, they'll get cheaper, and we'll start likely seeing, especially the Pentium, is it Pentium Silver is small core? Pentium Gold yes. is large yeah, core, gold's right? Gold large core. Yep. So Pentium Silver, like last year we saw a lot of N5000 consumer devices. So the, I think the new one is what? 50, so 51 or 50, 55? 100 50? and 4500. So 45 is the would be the Jasper Lake and then, or the, the standard small core. It'd be equivalent to the N4000. So this would be N4500. And we had N5000 Pentiums last year. This, the N5100 will be the new pentium so uh, both of those chips i think are going to be great in consumer chromebooks while keeping the price down um do they have what are their wi-fi and bluetooth setups on them bad boys we so get wi-fi 6 they are bluetooth 10 5? nanometer and they should be wi-fi 6 because that that's a huge benefit too being able to step up those connectivity issues like i mean it just to me like as Intel's creeping into this space, I, I think with Chromebooks, when we talk about broad spectrum of buyers and all that kind of stuff, that they start hitting their groove in this space because they're, sure. they're cheaper, especially if we're verifying here, if we're getting Bluetooth 5 and, and Wi-Fi 6. But you get a 10 nanometer process, you get better GPU, you have better connectivity options, still cheaper price. They run forever on battery. You know, they're, the TDP on these chips are so small. Like, it's like the perfect storm for consumer cheaper Chromebooks. And again, I can't, I can't wait for us to get our hands on any, any of them. I don't care which one it is that we, we get. Cause we're not these first education ones that'll come out. Like we're not going to get them and be like, Ooh, look how thin and light and right. yeah, beautiful exactly. this device. Who cares about that? No, we want to run benchmarks on it yeah. and see, and we want to use it and plug it into monitors and stuff and see how it's, it performs. It's more of a work. Yeah, you're talking more about, of a work yeah, cause what, oh, once yeah. these chips start filtering out into the uh, retail market, you're talking about like getting a 15 inch Acer Chromebook that somebody just wants to have a large desktop at yep. home. They're gonna have. You'll be able to get full HD and have enough processing power that you're not gonna have to worry about it being like an old Braswell chip. It's gonna run right. great. You know, we've seen that with some of the Acer devices that have the the five thousand in it. They, yeah, they run really, really it's, well. They're pretty good. And this is just gonna take all that to the next level. And again, your price points stay about the same as they so, were okay, last yeah. year. Okay. Yeah. So these all have all of the Intel ones, not not the MediaTek. Uh, the Intel ones have Intel's uh, Max, whatever. So it's Wi Fi six and Bluetooth five. That's see that those are just that's those are big deals. Awesome. That's awesome. Um, and assuming that we're getting the performance gains that we're expecting, like it's. It's going to be a big deal, not just for education. That's going to be a big deal for consumer Chromebooks. And we're, yeah. we're tracking a bunch of Jasper Lake Chromebooks. So even though a bunch of them did come out, like we tracked like nine Chromebooks came out of BETT, but we had, you know, one arm, like Gabe was saying. And well, what, how many MediaTek? Plenty of arm, but yeah. Or uh, not arm, I'm so sorry. One, one, one Snapdragon. And one, three. two, three. How many did Acer do? Two or three? 
Acer or two. only did two media. So four. Two. So okay. four so media four tech. And so a, those are the Kukui yeah. boards. Um, so we got four of those. One of so I mean, only half of those are the Jasper Lakes, and we're tracking quite a few of these uh, devices. And honestly, our our tracking list I need to update. I think there's four more I've come across. But when I come across a a Jasper Lake Chromebook, I'm just like, eh, here's a here's a Jasper cool. Lake Chromebook. Here's another one. Because <laughs> you, know, uh, you know they're going to just multiply like bunnies for education and all that kind of stuff. Like <laughs> that's that's, wow. that's every, your featured image. <laughs> yeah, every every year, little small Chromebook core, bunnies. Yeah, a little bunny or something. Gosh, um, let's get Michael to design that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I forgot to mention that Michael's going. to... Oh, Dang yeah. it! We we're supposed to say that at the beginning. Dang it! I was supposed to say that at t- up yeah. Top. Don't leave. We have we don't have leave. So we have more interesting guest. than us to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> oh darn it wow all right yeah, so michael perigo is going to be on here in a minute stay tuned folks <laughs> yeah um so yeah anyway all that stuff it, it's cool to see the small core intel stuff we're excited about what that could mean for the low end of the chromebook spectrum uh kind of bringing it up to par in a lot of ways with yeah. what we've expected from right. 10th gen comet lake but then to be able to see also chromebooks launching with mediatek processors yeah. and a chromebook launching with a snapdragon 7c processor yeah. like instead of it being just one lane of processors it's like wow there's all sorts of options going on here and this will only continue next year yeah, it's like for sure whatever it is that qualcomm does if they stick around in the space depending on how things go this year we'll get another batch of some different qualcomms next year and we'll get a we know we have upcoming uh 8192 and 8195 mediatek chips on the way yep. so That'll filter into education stuff and, and consumer stuff next year. And so, like, it's just cool. It's cool to see the the space at the lower mid-range really start growing because it, that for most consumers, that's where Chromebooks hit their stride. Yeah. If, yeah. if you can get a Chromebook that's under 400 bucks, you know, or even 300 you know, and, and get some nice perks, you know, get your Bluetooth 5 so my Bluetooth doesn't have an issue. I hook up to my Wi-Fi 6 things and... You know, and, and the keyboard's decent, and you know it's an okay Chromebook, and we don't have to worry about the internals being crummy. Yeah, you know, it's going to be a four gig of RAM probably situation with most of these processors. And, and, and kudos to HP they they do on the uh, the larger Jasper Lake models, not just the four because we'll see that like the fourteen inch models for teachers will have an eight gig option. The uh, the Jasper Lake devices, the convertibles, and the eleven inch devices they they have an eight gig option. So. Which is cool. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and, and what they have to figure out now is once you start taking these, these entry-level processors and putting them in, you know, mostly plastic builds, things that are meant to cut some corners and save some money, when you do that and you bump it up to 128 gigs of storage or 8 gigs of RAM, not letting the price get away from of you. Course. Right. Because it gets really confusing. Chromebooks are kind of squashed into this very tight price window. So. The minute you're like, well, I added 8 gigs of RAM and 128 gigs of storage, so we need to up the price by $150. Yeah. Well, now you're pushing into $500 for a plasticky Chromebook yeah. when there are awesome Chromebooks yeah. that are in that $500 range. So they got to be careful. Yeah, it's that balance of understanding what value it brings, too, because they can they can narrow their margins but but sell a lot more devices because if you look to the future of what, what are – what are older kids going to be doing with these devices as Chrome OS continues to mature? They're going to leverage Android and Linux more. So right. let's make a device that has that's capable of doing everything that Chrome OS can do. Bring the price up just as much as is necessary. Right. Maybe lose a little bit on margin, but increase our supply as well. So right. you, you make more money in the long run. And HP also not I mean, it's not about aesthetics for Chromebooks, but when you think about an EDU device, you think staunch black 
with gray clunky. rubber bumpers. Right. And yeah, they're going to be clunky. They have these honeycomb keyboards, stuff that, that protects them. That, that makes sense. They need to stay that way. But like HP launched this new one. There's two or three of them coming, this nautical teal. And I'm looking at it like, man, I wish I had a Chromebook that looked like that. It's cool looking, you know? So yeah, that, that looks good. Yeah, it's nice to have so, good-looking EDU Chromebooks. Yeah, it doesn't have to look like <laughs> yeah. a complete piece of garbage. Yeah, so. exactly. Well, uh, I think that's it for BETT stuff, right? That, that was everything? Was that? Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah, that was the main stuff. All right, uh, we're going to take a quick break for an ad, and we're going to come back and chat with our very own Michael Perigo. All right, stay tuned. I know him. This podcast is brought to you by NordVPN. We recommend the service and we use NordVPN because they keep your browsing secure and private on any device. Whether you're using a Chromebook, an Android device, a Mac, an iPhone, or a Windows device, NordVPN is going to protect your browsing. They also have 24-7 customer support in case you ever have any issues, and they offer a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you want to learn more and maybe give it a try, head over to chromeunbox.com forward slash Nord, N-O-R-D. Alrighty, welcome back, everybody. As promised, we have a uh, special guest, our very own Michael Perigo. What's up, Michael? Hey, everybody. How you doing? We have him piped in. How's the via, weather down there, by the way? Via meat. It's, I don't know. I haven't been outside in a while. <laughs> <laughs> wow. He's, we have him working too hard. <laughs> I'm starting to become a, a hermit because of the, the pandemic, actually. It's, it's more yeah, so that. but For sure. I've yeah. never really been an outdoors person anyway. <laughs> it's it was weird. There like when we really well, obviously like we quarantined a couple weeks ago, but like whenever everything really first started, whenever it was hardcore, like we were staying home. It was like a week and a half or something. I'm like, I haven't physically seen another person because I live by myself. I was like, <laughs> this weird. is not good. No. This is not good. It was like a week. That weekend I saw the mailman or something. Even I don't a few remember. days. A few days is no <laughs> <Yeah>. bueno. <laughs> it was weird. It was weird times. Uh but yeah, so thanks for tuning in, Michael. Um you were on a podcast yesterday. You want to tell folks about that a little bit? Sure. Uh Stadia Source has their roundtable podcast each week and I did an appearance. We talked about some of the, the news, including state shares. Uh, playable scenarios and the launch of Hitman 3. So uh, State Share was the hot topic. They have a hot topic. Nice. Uh, yeah. So they're they're more structured than us, is what you're saying. <laughs> they, uh, they have no. a, they have a it's a low bar, yes. man. It's a low it's bar. A low bar. <laughs> so, yeah. So I'll ask if they can send us some pointers. Yeah, for sure. For <laughs> can sure. you help us? <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, it's we're we're almost a hundred episodes in. We are what we are, man. Yep. It's too this late. Is, this is it. So what what. I, the, what's the news on the state share stuff? Tell, tell us about that just a little bit, because I'm sure. just curious. So, so state share began in Creta, where they allowed you to basically copy and paste a link in once they finally got the clipboard feature working, and it allowed you to hop into someone's uh, created level. Well, state share, like other Stadia features, kind of launched in this form where it wasn't fully realized. And with the launch of Hitman 3 and the ability to start the level uh, at the beginning of a scenario and save that for somebody, including your weapon loadout and other situations inside of the game into this sort of safe state using a URL, uh, you can send that to somebody. And, and now it's this much more fleshed out version of state share that we were promised initially. So I'm, I'm curious, have you messed <laughs> so with it yet? Crazy. Have you done it? A little bit. A little bit yeah. So, it's, it's, 
you know, not much, but they certainly don't let you start. You know how you start a YouTube video at a certain point, a very right. moment, and then you share that link and they can start from there? That's what State Share is probably going towards next, but they're not there yet. So it's more of like you're just starting the beginning of that scenario, basically. Yeah. Rather than yeah. like in the, that exact moment. I, but I guess my bigger That's question weird, is like, <laughs> like with Hitman, I've never played Hitman, but I'm assuming you gain like weapons or whatever. Like I'm, I'm sure you build up something, like you get stuff, right? Well, the whole idea isn't sort of the guns blazing approach of most games like Call of Duty, which we, of course, hope comes to Stadia, but it's more so a stealth approach. You have many different ways which you can approach a level and you can accomplish your tasks and they give you the freedom within those confines to do so. Uh, Like you can poison someone's drink or you can strangle them or whatever, right? There's all these different ways you can do it. Violent. And you can go back (laughs) to the It's violent and I like it. Super super family-friendly, right? So uh, if if I load in on a state share um, and your your progress at that point, I, I don't I, again I don't know anything about Hitman, but uh, I'm assuming though that you you have a certain loadout or you've got certain things that you are going att- to do your task with. If I start that state sh- state share, sh- sh- how, sh- how stadia, far stadia state share? Shut up, Joe. How far can <laughs> I can I progress before it's like okay, this experience is done. Go back to your game where you sucked. Because like if I'm playing someone else's state share, I'm gonna play like some guy that's awesome at whatever game it is. Like obviously, I don't get to keep all his stuff that he oh, had. I see I'm what getting you're to play yeah. along with all the junk that he's a- accumulated over time. But then I got to go back to my humble crappy game at some point right how's that how does that work do you know yeah so essentially what it is is it allows you to jump in with their same loadout uh from what i understand it's even yes even though you haven't acquired those weapons or gadgets yet uh you can you can do that and it's not so much like a save state where you would then acquire that as your own save file uh these scenarios you play them and then you jump out of them okay Uh, okay so it's more of just like a little experience yeah you can keep your progress but uh it's a little unclear whether or not you keep those weapons. So. Okay. That's yeah, that's cool. So curious about that because I think about games like you know the bigger games that I've played, and I'm not a huge gamer, but like Breath of the Wild, for instance. I imagine not that I'm not saying that Zelda or any Nintendo property will ever be on Stadia, but like a game like that, or you know maybe we could use Genshin Impact or something like that. The, mm. the, these type of games where you spend hours and hours and hours accumulating skills stuff, and stuff, yeah. and, and to be able to, to hop into somebody to do a state like, share yeah. and let somebody play that and be like, oh my god, like one day I'll have all this crap. But I'm assuming it's just a, a limited time. Like you get to play this for a few minutes or whatever, an hour and experience this, but then you're going to go back to your profile right. later. At well, the end like of it. when they first pitched this, I remember they were showing like a streamer who's who's doing a YouTube live. And people are watching along, and they're like, cool, here's the state share. Hop right in and play what I just played. You know, like, right. that's... See how you can do. Right, right. like, that's that's the cool part of all this, but... So, well, I have, yeah. I have two, two small examples, right? Uh, number one is what state share technically is, and the other is what it could become. First of all, uh, I, I know I started playing the Switch recently, and I've been playing Animal Crossing uh, with, <laughs> with my girlfriend, so... Uh, you can go into what's called a dream state when you lay in your bed and you can visit someone else's island in your dreams. Well, you can pocket all the stuff you want from their island. When you wake up, it's all gone. And the first time that happened, I was so bummed out because I was like, yes, I got all these different fruits and and cool cards and things that I don't have on my island. Nope. And I didn't read up on it prior to that, so it was all gone. So <laughs> That's how you I, learn, I Michael. I in the current state share to that. Um, what it could become 
I think that when you itemize out all of these things that you could sort of uh, track inside of a state, right, mm -hmm. and that you can copy over to somebody else, I think not only in competitive but also in cooperative, that could become huge. For so sure. yeah, you yeah. could say this person beat this level with this exact weapon and this many bullets, right? It could be crazy specific. But also think about this. What if you are stuck? And then you share your state with someone else. They play past that point and share it back to you, oh, and then you're not that, stuck anymore. So there's lots of possibility. So then, uh, that, then now fun. you have uh, uh, YouTube gamers for hire. Yeah, you're stuck. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to give you the tip. I'll just beat it for you. I'll just play it. Or, or maybe they're <laughs> ten bucks. Skills, right? like yeah, they're skills and you're paying them pennies. Yeah, wow. A lot of options here. I love it. So, Not all of them ethical, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you can't tell, Michael is our is our resident gamer. Uh, actually, Michael came on board originally through Gaming Unbox, um, kind of a side project that, that we had. We were testing out and, and just wanted uh, to be quite candid, wanted to get Michael writing for us in some form yeah. or fashion. And, and Gaming Unbox is the way that we did that. And the transition just ended up working out to where he was able to come on full time with us. And so now you're if you've seen more gaming content on Chrome Unbox proper, obviously gaming unbox, we've retired more gaming content on on uh, absorbed. Yeah. yeah absorbed. Like all absorbed. that content it, is it, now it, it on is Chrome there. Unbox. That's right. It's yeah. all on the on the main site. But yeah, if you've seen more content, that's all that's all Michael. And so so we want to talk some other gaming stuff here. Project Hailstorm. Um, tell folks about this. Sure. Uh, Project Hailstorm is really interesting. Uh, it's mysterious, first of all. Like it's not properly defined. Uh, it showed up in you know nine to five's APK insights for the Stadia app, um, believe, or was it Android TV app? I'm not sure which one. I can't remember off the top of my head. However, um, it says you know a hailstorm is coming, uh, introducing Project Hail from Hailstorm from Stadia, and which you know, I love. I love the name. Yeah, yeah, I, I love it too. So, so it. You know, I speculated in, in my article that it could mean a couple of things, right? It could just be that they are planning this massive hailstorm, unrelenting deals and sales and games, right? They had mentioned that they have over 400 games over the next couple of years that they've already planned to release and that they want to make good on despite COVID and all of that. Uh, however, there is something called Project Hailstorm from Netflix, and this is a technology that allows them to scale... Uh, you know, Netflix across partner devices and, and allow them to become certified with a lot less effort because they implement these checkpoints uh, in the process, you know, for performance and, and graphical uh, fidelity and all these sort of things to make certain that the hardware and software is on par with their standards so that there's less guesswork. So if Google's going to use this, and you know, I don't believe, like a lot of people are saying that they believe maybe Google's working with Netflix and utilizing their technology. I don't think that's the case. Maybe they were inspired by the nomenclature. But either way, uh, this seems like the most likely case. We've seen that LG, you know, TCL, Sony, Bravia, the line, they're all bringing Google TV to their devices for the 2021 and some on the 2020 and 2019 lineup, especially LG, uh, retrospectively. So if they do that, you know, and, and whether or not they have a native application, which they are working on, and we'll talk more about what native means versus Google's version of the application. However, uh, even if Google just brings their application to Google TV, which they plan to do later this year or, or soonish, actually, 
yeah, later this year, actually, uh, then, you know, that's that means that Stadia is automatically available on millions of TVs, right? Potentially billions globally, right? Um, a hailstorm of new users, perhaps. So that's that's what I'm going with right now. I think that's the most likely case. Which would be so awesome. I'm going totally <laughs> different direction. I'm thinking it's some sort of cryptic foreshadowing of some weird idiotic feature like PUBG Mobile does. Oh gosh. And they're I just hope gonna not. roll out Please like no. this weird dumb thing. <laughs> And it's going to be like, oh, you've please, got this no. really stupid weather skin on your... No. 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 Okay. no. <laughs> 100%, I'm calling it now, Hailstorm is going to be a Stadia search bar. Native search bar. That's it. Yes. <laughs> a Hailstorm of searches. <laughs> it's a query storm. A query storm of searches. Yeah. No, I, I I think Michael like I read your because I read the original the nine to five piece, uh, and then you know Michael kind of took and ran with with his interpretation of what this was, and and you know nine to five was pretty clear like we don't know what this is and we're not even taking a guess like don't know it's something but we don't know what it is, uh, and I think you know Michael's got a pretty good instinct of of putting stuff together and and foreshadowing some things and and thinking through like hey you know like. This could mean that, yeah, you know, right, and right. those things, those things ending up happening. And so I, I really do think that you're on the right track with the whole, like the Netflix thing, the fact they had a, a hailstorm kind of initiative. Yeah. And, you know, I think that Google's probably like, Hey, I think they clearly, they work with Netflix a pick, lot. Piggyback I mean, off that a little bit. They don't yeah. work with them. Well, they work with them a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We could, we well, could talk have, about the fact too. This is, this is huge for Google, right? This is their moment to shine. The Stadia team, because up until now they haven't really had a large audience, but this is their chance right. to actually garner that for the first time since their launch a year ago, a little yeah, over a year right. ago. Right. So it's a big deal. Well, yeah. and it's I like mean, we've it's... we've been saying for so long, just more people playing Stadia, more people having access to Stadia, the better. Yep. I mean, it's right. so like the platform is there. It's like we just need more people playing it. And it's a it's a chicken egg situation, you know, with Stadia and with anything like this. Like, is it do you need more people to be doing it before developers start making more games? Exactly. Or, is or do it you like, need more games to get the people to and come? It's like, right? yeah. I think Google's doing what they can to just get it in front of as many people as possible. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think it feels like that at least with this thing that they knew initially that they were going to have to go all in from a marketing perspective. Like, it's not like. You know, they took the early, I don't even want to call them defeats, but the early difficulties of getting Stadia, Stadia in front of people. And we're just like, well, well, you know, I guess we'll stop advertising. Like, they just keep going. Here's more deals. Here's more stuff. Let's give away more things and continue putting out advertisements and continue figuring out ways to expand. And, like, it's just unrelenting. And it's it's been this way for a year. And it's like, but it doesn't show any yeah. sign that they're going to stop or slow down. Right. They're just gonna keep pummeling people with it until and that's the way marketing works right. i mean it's what apple's done it's what samsung's done samsung's where they are in most mobile spaces because they just pummel people with advertising like eventually people catch on eventually people start understanding the the nomenclature and, and the stuff around it and <clears throat> so it feels like they're doing with stadia and, and good on them like that's and well to they break didn't do it right that's... the first time no <laughs> right? yeah. in those wacky commercials with that guy like they're advertising 4k 60 fps Regular users don't care about that. And now yeah. they're like, all these free games, you can play anywhere. That yep. is what they should have started with. Exactly, yep. yeah. Play free, no, get in, play try free. it, yeah. see what it's like. And that's they've just been yeah. pounding the pavement with that for, yeah. what, six months well, now? And, and Yeah, well, I mean, John Justice, you know, head of uh, of Stadia pretty much, um, 
he and his team have been very intentional, very cautious with how they approach their path forward. And I dare say it's diverging a lot from Google's philosophy, uh, their approach to tech. And it's interesting because they're, they are a part of Google. So the fact that they're doing things so differently, I think that they're going to take a lot of those lessons learned about being more cautious, more transparent, more open to community feedback mm. and bring it back into other Google products and start tr morphing the, the sort of the, the shape of the company a little bit more. Wouldn't that be I odd. love that. It would, I love it would that. be awesome. What an, what an optimistic out, uh, uh, thought process. I love it. <laughs> See, I'll go ahead and I'll go ahead and tell you, you should, uh, that should be a, a cool uh, op-ed that you yeah, should run with. Yeah, for sure. Like uh, the, yeah. the, uh, the effects on, oh. yeah, the effects on Google long-term because of Stadia, you know, yeah. uh, that would be, that would be really interesting. But so, yeah, I, I think like the, like any sort of rough timeline for this hailstorm stuff. Uh, so there's been nothing mentioned, right? And, and the thing is that, um, Bravia's line comes out this year, uh, closer to the second half of the year, a lot of these manufacturers are bringing Google TV slash Stadia uh, to their devices. So I think it's going to be closer to Q3, Q4. Right. Yeah, but that's, so, again, just speculative right now. Yeah, right. Is right, there any course, chance yeah. that Hellstorm could bring Steam to Stadia? That's, that's interesting, right? I mean, you look at Valve, and Valve is pretty open to things, but they're also pretty guarded. Especially I feel like Google should really be, uh, not just for Stadia's sake, even more so for Valve. They just got hit with like a crazy multi-million dollar fine too for something. Uh, Valve did or Steam? Valve did, yeah. Steam, yeah. They they really should, they're so, if you know the history of, I'm sure you know the history of Valve and the, the whole, they're just a mess. They got great guys working for them. They got great platform. They got to do really cool stuff. They just have no organization, and their business runs horribly. They need to just let Google take over and get it all built on Stadia, and it would just be incredible. Yeah, I mean, I mean, as of last year, they had over eight thousand, you know, games on on Steam. So, and you see that they have open partnerships with Ubisoft and and others, right, to bring their services right to them so right. if steam does that then stadia would be elevated above geforce now mm -hmm. yeah, right i think because right? I, I mean like with borealis they're working on a, a native way to run steam on chrome os and it will work for the most part <laughs> but you're still going to need some decent hardware because it's running on metal and i just think moving moving what what is steam's it's called steam what is their cloud thing they have? They have a cloud. Oh, Steam. Steam. The Steam Play? Is it just Steam Play? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but they, they yeah, but they they haven't rolled out. Like, no, it's it's been in talks that they're trying yeah. to get servers spun up and and to do something like that. But use Google's hardware. Use their servers. <laughs> they already got it figured out. <laughs> just they have plenty of servers. <laughs> have, make a Steam Stadia app that runs on Stadia that is your interface for all of your Steam games and whatever you've purchased is hosted on Stadia yeah. servers. Yeah. Call it Steamia. Well. <laughs> I don't think people would mind that, right? They care about having people on their platform. They they care about providing hosting, sort right. of. If you think about it. They don't care about... That's really what Steam. it is, yeah. Here's they where... They have their own team and all that, but... 
where I think Google and Stadia both would bristle at this type of thing. So GeForce Now feels like where that fits in. And it already does, right? I mean, Steam, the games that work on Steam and the developers have okayed it to work on, on streaming gaming work on GeForce Now. Uh, Stadia feels like like they've been adamant about the fact that they're not just a server of streaming games. Like they're, It's its own platform. Like Games can't be just brought in. It's not like, oh, this is a Windows game. Just run it on Stadia. Like, it has to be rewritten and 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 fixed and ported. Basically, it's it's no different than porting a game from PC to to PlayStation or Xbox. Like, there's some there's some things that need to be taken care of and done in the right way, and that the the game needs to be coded in a particular way so that it runs well on on Stadia. It is a Stadia version of that game. Um, yeah. so that's I think. That's the problem is that like Steam, you know, is basically a virtual machine in GeForce Now. That's why they can do it. Right. But I would, I, I honestly, I hate that experience because every time you start a game up, you see that it's booting up Unreal, oh, yeah. or Epic Games, and blah blah blah, or Steam, and it just feels so janky, right? Oh, it is. Stadia is so clean. If if they yeah. do it, they're going to have to make a real port. Like oh yeah. Saying, yeah. Yeah. It's sure. uh, like they'd have to have Stadia versions of those same games. Like I. I yeah. It would not just be a hey, we're going to host a, we're going to no. have Steam servers on here. Like it just can't. Like Stadia won't it's, work that yeah. way because they've they've decided like this is the path we're going. We get a, a beautiful user interface across devices because, because it's this. a platform. It is not a virtual machine. Yeah, and exactly. and so like I, I just don't know how that would happen. Developer. Yeah, right. which which is the problem. Yeah. So I mean. Uh, I think all of this, I mean, we're, we're obviously just kind of speculating now, but all of this is really cool because at the end of the day, it means that there's smart people working hard to uh, do new things, whatever they might end up becoming with right. Stadia, a platform that we think, you know, I mean, we're all about cloud everything, right? So let's, let's, let's conquer cloud gaming. And, and, and it looks like Google has the right path forward there for that. So let's switch gears uh, and let's talk about something, Michael, that I know you spent a lot of time researching and digging into, and that is uh, Manifest V3. So tell folks uh, what that is. Ooh, it sounds all like, <laughs> like we're going to pull out a dossier. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Big file. <laughs> it's funny because before you published it, Robbie and I were talking about it, and it's been so long since the talk about what it was started and all the because there was a lot of buzz around this when it first yeah. was mentioned, what, right. six to eight months, whenever it was. It's been a while. It's been a while. And and so when this news came out with Chrome 88, I'm like, what 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 is this? Because Robbie was talking to Michael, and Michael was getting getting ready to write the article about it. And I'm like, and then Robbie's like, oh, it's that thing where they're doing this. I'm like, oh, that's finally going to be a thing now. Okay, cool. <laughs> it's cool. actually so, here? Okay. Yeah, so <laughs> we'll, let, we'll let Michael talk more about what it is. But I'm like... Because there was a lot of buzz and people like down on Google about what this was, but in in hindsight, learning more about it, you, hopefully most users will realize this this is a very good thing, a very right. good thing. So. so, what is the thing, Michael? Sure. Yeah, it, it starts with a larger conversation about the wild west of the Chrome Web Store and the extensions problem, right? Oof, yeah. The fact that so many extensions have seemed to be or have seemed to have been scraping user data and not respecting user privacy. And, you know, Google wants to kind of wrangle that. So Manifest V3, it is their answer to that. Um, so generally, the way it works is these, and, and ad blockers are really the, the, the case where we're, we're, we really need to discuss this, right? Because they're the ones who are suffering sort of unfairly, uh, according to 
a lot of them who are coming down hard on Google. So with Manifest V3, the idea is that compared to its predecessor, which was web, the web request API, um, the user's data, be it images or social media or whatever, right, that gets sent over the server in a request, but that is in, inspectable, sort of. Like the, the developer can look at that and they can do whatever they want with it. But de declarative net API, right, net request API, this new version that's embedded into Manifest V3, that's not possible because it's not necessary. In most cases, developers don't need to see your sensitive information in order to serve you. Right. Right. So Google is coming down hard with that ban hammer, and they're like, anything starting today that gets uploaded to the Chrome Web Store needs to be implemented using Manifest V3. And they're, they are giving a year from this date for developers to upgrade their extensions from Manifest V2. Right. Um, but in the process, the, the ones who suffer are ad blockers, and here's why. Ad blockers use these lists, so to speak. Imagine if you have, uh, let's make this simple to understand, you have telemarketers calling you, right? And Google themselves have compiled a large list of these telemarketers, and they've implemented it to block those calls automatically with Pixel phones, for example. Well, imagine that same thing, but with websites. So EasyList is one of the largest compilations of malicious or kind of spammy websites. There are lots and lots of lists. You can even go to like filterlist.com and make your own. And these ad blockers, especially uBlock Origin, by this trusted web developer, Raymond Gorehill, which I think everyone has heard of by now if they use any ad blockers, um, they can now only upload, uh, they can only make 30,000 requests on, they can only filter out 30,000 of these websites on the lists. And EasyList alone has at least twice that, right? So effectively with Manifest V3, these ad blockers are completely busted. They basically can't exist and if they do, they can't serve their customers properly. So they've gone on the bug tracker and they're like, hey, Google, what's up? We need to have a talk. And Google's like blocking all these comments. And they're like, let's take this to a private room and talk about it. Uh, they are considering upgrading it to 300,000 requests, but still that's not enough. And Google's idea is, listen, we know that we're going to crack some eggs in the process. Our intent is not to break out blockers, but our users' privacy is you know, of utmost importance. And we're going to have to figure out a new way for you to filter out these websites and make requests, uh, which currently has not happened, right? So there's this big uproar about that. Uh, everyone's pretty split on it, but ad blockers are certainly not happy. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm just thinking from a that's, public, yeah, from a, a publication standpoint. I mean, obviously, we don't like ad blockers, and it. But it, uh, like you said, it's not Google cracking down saying, oh, no more ad blockers. I mean, uh, publishers don't like ad blockers because obviously we like to make money so we can keep doing what we're doing because if not, we all have to go back to doing something else and we don't want to do that, uh, which is why a lot of platforms are moving to either paywalls or, you know, uh, gated content or just, you know, Patreon communities like we have that offer an ad-free experience. Uh, Scroll's another big one that's emerging. Right. A lot yep. of places are using and Scroll's a great platform too because you can get a lot of different websites with it. But uh, it just fit. It for for the last few years with Google making a move the way that they are, because I've been on some major websites lately that you scroll down and one of the ad blocks says this ad has been removed. 
because it's using too much C. If it use more, uses more than 1% of your CPU, Google blocks the ad. Right. Now, the space is still there, but you don't get the ad. And I think Google's doing a good job on both sides to say, okay, we're going to make we're going to make manifest V3, whatever, all this stuff. We're going to make it better, but we're also doing our part to make sure that ads, they have the, whatever their ad policy is. Uh, they work with all the different partners in the industry to make sure their ads are meeting. Yeah. Certain, and that's been their solution, right? Yeah. Like so, they're working towards a internal sort of do it ourselves sort of model. Yeah. Yeah. So I think Google's obviously they thrive off of their ad advertising model, but I think they're also yeah. doing a very good job of tending to each area that they have to for this, because without the ad models in place, publishers don't make money. But what do these ad blockers do? Because I've, I've felt for a while now that ad blockers are kind of going to eventually be a thing of the past. I know uBlock Origin is huge, and I no ill will towards him, but I just don't feel like it's a thing that's going to be perpetually long-term that people are going to have. At, I feel like Google's eventually going to sever them from, from Chrome in some shape, form, or fashion. Yeah, and and let's talk about the the end user, right? What is the benefit to them outside of ad blockers? Ad blockers are a side effect, right? Them suffering—that's a side effect of what Google's really trying to do, and they want to tackle malicious extensions who are making all of these requests in the same way that ad blockers do, right? Right. And making them look bad, but they're actually, you know, sort sort of scanning user data as you're using these extensions, right? So Manifest V3 is directly responsible for Google's new, I keep calling it the seal of approval. And if you go on the site, you'll see the images of what they're implementing soon. And they're going to be listing out the permissions, how this extension is using your data, just like the Play Store started doing a couple years back, so that the user is in control. And then if it doesn't have this, uh, this badge that says the publisher has not provided information about the collection or usage of your data, if it has that listed on the extension, run for the hills because Google right. has told you that they are not honoring your privacy as a user and you deserve better. So that it really ties into extensions more than ad blockers, but ad blockers are of course the most vocal uh, side effect of this change. Right. Right. Because I mean, it, at the end of the day, like how many, I mean, you've written about this before, like how many of these just terrible extensions are out there and still being used right. all the time. Yeah, when you start looking at the argument between do we fix extensions and do it the right way or do we kneel to ad blockers? I mean, it clearly when you look at Google's business model, they're they're not going to uh forfeit all of the things that Manifest V3 is going to help with in order to be nice to ad blockers. A handful mm-hmm. of uh, yeah. Yeah. a group of people that are doing things that are averse to Google their, making their money. business model, and <laughs> yeah. and and if I can for a second, you know, get on the soap block or soapbox of of I like soap block soap block. It's a block of soap, you know. What I'm saying? It's a box of blocks of soap. Uh, but it, if you think about it for a second, and perhaps if you're listening to this, you've never thought about it this way, and if you're not a publisher, you never have been forced to. People in general get on the internet and they expect everything to be free. They yeah. want everything without cost because they paid for an internet connection. But that would be like saying, um, I paid my taxes and there's a bookstore, I should be able to take all the books in the bookstore for free. Right. Or sit and read all of them and never be charged for anything because they're there and I helped pay for the road that got me to them. 
Um, right. It's an ignorant argument when you stop and think about it for just a second. I'm not saying ignorant, dumb. I'm saying ignorant. You haven't thought about all the pieces of what go into things. The internet is an amazing place and the open web is an amazing thing that we have access to and creative people and people that like making things are there and they are fueled by advertising most of the time and all of the content that you enjoy, all of the things that you like to watch, all of the YouTube videos that you see, all of the stuff that you read, all of the articles, all of it is driven by advertising and before the internet existed, it still was driven by advertising. Right. Billboards were a thing, signs were a thing, just, newspaper just, ads. Were, yeah, it's just newspaper a different, ads, magazine ads. It's a different medium. And it would be like saying, you know what? This magazine has too many ads in it. I don't want that. I want, give me the magazine that has no ads in it. And I also want it for free. Open up, open up any magazine. Go to Barnes and Noble and look at the magazines. Which by the way. How many ads are in there? They're full of ads. Which by the way, you pay for the magazine and look at the ads. Exactly. And so when you, (laughs) so, and there's, there's no option to be like, well, I should get this for free. I should get all of the content I want and not have to pay a dime for any of it. And that's what I should get because I'm human and I have the internet. Like ignorant argument. Yeah. And, and no offense to anyone who's listening, but I, I think a lot of people who browse websites and gather information, a good portion of those people, have absolutely positively no idea what it goes into. It's not like we come to work in the morning, we write a couple articles, and we're like, all right, we're going to go be rich because we wrote a couple things on the internet for people to read. It's work. It's work like anything else. We love our jobs. We enjoy what we do. But a lot of people enjoy their jobs. So imagine you're going to work Monday through Friday. For us, it's Monday through Sunday because one of us is always working doing something. You go to work. And you might enjoy what you're doing, but it's still work. You still have to dedicate eight hours of your day to doing it. And then someone just decides one day that, hey, I know you're working every day and I know you're putting in work and you're doing all of this stuff. But this week, we're just not going to pay you as much because we just don't feel like it. Right. We don't feel like you deserve to get paid for what you're doing. Because that's for it, it may be a, an ego thing and maybe it's hypersensitive of me, but that's what it feels like when people... We want a good experience on our website, so we don't want ads that are just all over the place and interfering with the user experience. But when people bash our site because we have advertising or people bash websites because they have advertising, I I translate that as your hard work is worth nothing to yeah. me. And right. if that is the case, that is fine. If you feel like our work does not merit us getting paid, yeah, just don't come Don't back. read our website. <laughs> yeah. Because in all you honesty, don't have to stay. we could put once one just to put it out there, we could put a script on our website that if you have an ad blocker, you can't see our exactly. stuff. Oh yeah. Very we good. don't do yeah, that. A lot, a lot of sites are doing that, right? We and, don't and do that. Interesting because we are entering uh, a new age, right? We started in the information age, the golden age of information. And then we shifted to the collaboration age where everyone's working together with that information. And I believe that now we're very much shifting into a privacy age we're in, mm-hmm. in the, the age of the privacy minded consumer. Right. But there is a dichotomy there. Right. Just like you said, you can either have advertising and have free information and Google uses your data and then they serve you ads. But you get all these services for free or you can pay them and presumably not have your data scraped or whatever, but you can have this ad-free experience and you got to choose, right? And and we have to kind of decide what we want, especially in the larger discussion about what Google's doing now. 
uh, when it comes to shifting away from ad revenue. A lot of people are upset that they're having paid services now. But would you rather have paid services and have a cleaner experience and right. more privacy? Or would you rather have an ad-driven experience as it's been? And the answer is clearly no, because they've had a lot of you know, blowback from that. Uh, so we got to decide. And I think Google themselves, along with many creators, are shifting away from that model because, first of all, ad blockers and... And ad, people using ad blockers, you know, myself included, I'm guilty of this. It's a direct statement that <laughs> you want your content for free, but you don't want to pay, right? You want to block the ads, you want to read the site. I mean, I get it, you know what I mean? Uh, and I get, like, and, and I, I do need to say, like, to, to rein back what the comments that I made, like, I understand that, that ad blockers <clears throat> in general uh, a lot of times are used by people um, selectively on sites that mm -hmm. they know sure. just abuse yeah. the whole thing. And I'll say like our, our ad partner on our website frequently tells us that we take a very conservative approach. Like, yeah. cause I'll be like, oh, I don't want to do that. Or we need to take that out. And they're like, well, I mean, everybody else does this. I'm like, oh, I don't care. That's you not know, us. Yeah. We're not going to muddy up our site with like ridiculous amounts of ads and fly pop-ups and pop unders and all this junk. You know, I, I, I still, I feel like there's more ads than I kind of want on there, yeah, but for sure. you know, we're trying to, not be as conservative so that again that we can free up money to do some other things and so you know i i understand that where people are abused they use ad blockers and yeah. you know we've had people tell us i use ad blockers on most sites we don't we turn it off on your site you know because da 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 and so like i appreciate that and so the people that use it for that kind of stuff like i i hear me like i'm not saying every person that uses an ad block is like scourge of the earth that's not that's not <laughs> right, true right. Yeah, but no, no. i just i think a lot of people use them and don't think about the consequence on the yeah. other side that's human right, nature right, right. we we do whatever yeah. helps us get what we want at the moment and we really don't think about consequences a lot of times and right. turning sure. on an ad blocker seems to be a pretty consequence free action and sure. it's unfortunate because the ultimate consequence then becomes less people making stuff for free less content for you to enjoy less of everything on the internet over time if ad blockers were the the reign and the rule i mean people just won't make content yeah well because they funny. can't afford to yeah i mean at the end of the day it's it, like you said for us it was okay we we know that we know that some people prefer that that ad free experience so let's build a a uh, a way to do this and we had tried we thought about different ways of doing it and trying to do like users on the site and this sort of different stuff and then through the process of doing youtube membership that led me to figure out and start investigating some patreon stuff and then i was you and i were brainstorming something and you figured out oh wow this is giving a user if they log in with patreon they're getting a user on the site i could just turn off ads boom we now have an ad-free experience for those people right. that want that, right? And it's always this give and take, you know? It's like, for those people that do that, we are extremely grateful Absolutely. to anyone who is who is in our uh, developer group or our Canary crew on Patreon. And, and you, the, the, when, when we're not serving ads, you're now paying a, a, a fee each month to let us continue creating content. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like it's just it's just this give and take. But it is and people you know, who do that, they're they're happy to, right? Like they're like, I want to support my favorite creator. And for sure. Right. Overall, I think that when I visit a website that's overridden by just lots of spammy ads, I just leave, right? But when I I read Chrome Unboxed, even before I started working with you guys, I always thought that not only were the ads minimal, but they were usually things I wanted to look at. I mean, it's a pretty good setup. Yeah. Know? Right. I mean, it's like, you know, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, uh, you know. I, to, to be honest, I mean, I've I have found 
awesome products via, uh, you know, basically Google tracking my stuff and saying, hey, you might be interested right. in this thing. And I'm like, oh, wow, I've never or seen that frankly, before. frankly, Twitter and Facebook, too. Absolutely. Like stuff Instagram in my, in ads, feed, man. So that, I've, I've bought all I've kinds bought of stuff. Yep. Things from <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah there's this stigma around advertising, right? It's seen as this inherent evil. But if Google serves you ads based on things that you like and you agree to it in the terms and conditions, uh, so long as there are checks and balances, right? And I think that's the reason people are upset because those are right. dissipating sometimes. But so long as that balance is kept, I think it's an amazing model that allows us to improve our lives and i know that's super controversial but i'm i'm just being honest i think it's super beneficial right if it's done right. i agree right. wholeheartedly and and if you if you're conscious of your privacy and you know the steps to take to maintain your privacy of your personal information i think it can still be very beneficial because absolutely i i don't want ads served to me about crocheting needles i don't crochet i have no interest in crochet you'd rather have tailored ads Right. Like, I yeah. want ads about watches, which yeah. is why I've become a doctor addicted to watches because yeah. now that's all I get is ads about watches. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, it's, it's also and, about educating yourself, right? Because a lot of people will say, oh, Google's listening and, and they will turn their microphone off and prove it on YouTube and they'll have videos and stuff. But did you know that Google doesn't only track your uh, stuff, but they also collectively group you with a local absolutely. or physical local location, all these things. Maybe your neighbor crochets. And that's why you're seeing crochet ads. Absolutely. So maybe you, right. you Googled cat food right after you talked about it. Maybe it's something that you bought in the past. You, you got to be open to all these different ways that this actually works. And right. Yeah. When, I, when I learned food. about when I learned about the advertising that was based off of uh, tangent, tangent geolocation yeah. and stuff like that, it, blew, right. it, it, it changed the way I saw it. Because we, we've all had it happen. Your wife or your girlfriend or whatever is like showing you this thing and you know, the next day you're at work and your newsfeed has the exact same, you're like, come on now, Google's <laughs> listening. No, Google knows that you are frequently in contact with this other human being. We served it to them. They were looking at this article. Well, they know that chances are greater that you have an interest in whatever it was they were looking at than someone who is not in contact yeah, with them. Exactly. So guess what they just put in front of your face? The same Dancing thing. With the stars exactly. And it's not always <laughs> correct, but it's correct more often than not because chances are you have a lot in common with that other data consuming human that you're around. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a, it, there, there's so much that goes into it. And somehow we started with Manifest V3 and now we've gotten off on a rant about advertising. But it is funny. It is connected, it, though. It is connected. It is connected. And it's funny, too. And it's funny, too, to have Michael on this conversation because Michael is so in tune with Google services. And you know some of these things about, uh, you know, some of the back end of these things. So it's it's cool to have your input here. Um but guys, I think that's it for today. I mean, we could obviously sit and talk about advertising forever. We're passionate about it because we're publishers. Um, but you know, maybe maybe we'll save some more for another time. If you're interested in advertising, we can talk about it another time. People are like, people are like no, I listen. Next time, what's Jimmy that? I said Jimmy John's. It should be related to Jimmy John's next time. Yeah, of course. There you go. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. But. Yeah, I think that's it for today. I hope that you all enjoyed this episode. Uh, it was it was a fun one. I mean, it was awesome to have Michael on. To be completely frank, Michael was on Stadia Source, and we were like, man, our employee was on another podcast before he was on our podcast. <laughs> yeah, dang, no bueno. We need to fix that, and so we got him on. And and it's funny. It's like you know we 
it's uh it, it's just something we we need to be uh we need to have you on more often and have you talk about the stuff that you're passionate about because you bring a different perspective and i think that's always good for conversation so uh so yeah stay tuned for future episodes with uh with michael perigo thanks so much for taking time and joining us man for having me yeah, yeah lots of fun so uh folks we're gonna link everything like normal and we appreciate you all tuning in we'll catch you guys next week see ya Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. You can find show notes over at chromeunbox.com forward slash podcast. And if you want to stay up to date with everything that's happening in the world of Chrome and Chrome OS, make sure to check out our website, chromeunboxed.com and follow us on social media by searching for at Chrome Unboxed. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.